The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Recent census in Northern Ireland, which showed the population there moving to having more Catholics than those of Protestant denominations, gave rise to considerable speculation as to the potential for a united Ireland. And indeed, we've heard a lot from Mary Lou Macdonald, the Sinn Féin leader in recent times, about having a referendum on a united Ireland before the end of the decade. But... Would it be a successful referendum if success is what you regard as being a united Ireland coming about as a result of it? We're joined first by Pat Leahy, political editor of the Irish Times, because you had a very detailed survey over the last number of days in the Irish Times conducted on both sides of the border. And what were the headline findings in relation to public attitudes towards a united Ireland, Pat? Hi, Matt. Yeah, well, we reported this first on Saturday, which showed quite a clear majority in the north against uh, United Ireland, uh, about two to one in terms of those voters who who expressed a preference. And then separately in the south, where we did a a similar parallel uh, survey, we found that there was a big majority in favour of unity. But in today's paper, we probe those findings a little bit, and there's reason, I think, in the results of the research to question the that big southern commitment to United Ireland, because, for example, when you ask voters uh, about potential changes to political symbols like flags and anthems or so forth, or you ask them if uh, United Ireland was to make them personally less well-off, or you ask them if a referendum was to be preceded by loyalist violence, all those sort of things, you suddenly start to see big numbers of people in the South say that these things would make them less likely to vote for a united Ireland. I mean, there's a related question, I suppose, about what sort of united Ireland that people in the South think they would be voting for. But certainly the meaning that we have taken out of it to a degree, I wouldn't overstate this, but to a degree, the commitment in the South to to uh, achieving a united Ireland is, is, is kind of a mile wide and an inch deep. Although you would suspect that perhaps people emotionally would vote in favour of it if it did come up, that they would feel that they couldn't vote against it, which is why I want to ask you more about the feelings in the North, because it was interesting to see that it seems that your religious denomination, if you indeed have one, is no longer a guarantee, it would seem, as to your political position on the United Ireland, is it? Yeah, very much so. But I suppose this is part of a trend that, we have been seeing for some time now in the north and it comes just as as you outlined in your introduction that the census figures would show that the you know the the demographic shifts are tilting towards people of a catholic background in the north where you know always a, i suppose a protestant majority could have been relied upon that picture is changing but at the same time that very strict identification of religion with politics to simplify it I suppose that is weakening now it is still very important uh, in the north as a signifier of political 
choice, but it's not quite as defining as it once was. And to illustrate that in the black and white of the numbers in the surveys that we have done, there are over one in five Catholics in the North, 21% of people from a Catholic background in the North who say that they would vote in favour of remaining in the UK, uh, uh, which was one of the numbers that, that that leapt out for me as 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 being interesting, and even though the European Union position, which would have been regarded as something that a majority in Northern Ireland wanted to continue, isn't addressed by continued involvement in the UK. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we'll examine in future days is the attitude in the North, and uh, not just to the protocol, but to the question of EU. Uh, uh, EU membership and how that might impact on people's uh, political choices, uh, but um, but it's it's you know it's it's very clear not just from looking at those numbers of people who describe themselves as Catholics, but also to people who describe themselves as the others, which are of course the fastest growing group in in the North who describe themselves as neither Catholic uh, uh, nor nor Protestant or coming from neither a Catholic nor a Protestant background, um, you know, those those people are also in favour of, there's a substantial minority of those people in favour of remaining in the Union as well. So the, the appeal of remaining in the United Kingdom is not something that is confined to, uh, to Protestants in the UK, even though Pro- uh, Protestants in the North, even though they are overwhelmingly in, uh, in favour of it. A listener here makes a rather provocative comment. Can minorities know which side their subsidised bread is buttered on. The UK Treasury is welcome to fund their cracked health service and bloated civil service to the tune of £10,000 sterling per person per annum. Last thing we need is to carry a failed basket case statelet. Now, there are many people who would say that if there are failures in the North and how it's structured, that these would be overcome by putting it together with the South, but would a merger with the Republic and the North actually make things better? We're joined by Deirdre Heenan, Professor of Social Policy at Ulster University and former member of the Council of State. Deirdre, given the demographic shifts, are you surprised that there seem to be such a large, clear majority, according to this poll, in the North who want to remain committed to the United Kingdom? No, I'm not surprised at all because I think it is important not to conflate demographic change with um, constitutional ideas. And also we've had the conflation of the rise of Sinn Féin conflated with the rise in support for United Ireland. But really that hasn't happened. And what we are saying is people are making different choices or there are a number of people who are unsure. I think it is important to say that we have been through a very tough decade here of austerity, Brexit, Brexit negotiations, the protocol, the war in Europe, and people are attracted to stability. And is it surprising that if they're asked, do they want constitutional change, they either say no or I don't know, um, because they don't know what that would look like. And there has been very little planning, very little preparation. And yes, as you say, perhaps on an emotional level, uh, people might say, yes, of course, I want a United Ireland. But ask them then about the social implications, the economic implications, the hard facts. What will my health service look like? What will my employment prospects be? How will my children be educated? And we don't have answers for those. So I'm not at all surprised. And I also think it's worth mentioning 
that there are nationalists um, who are not seeking urgent constitutional change. They may call themselves nationalists or soft nationalists, but they're fairly relaxed with the status quo, or at least they were until perhaps Brexit and uh, the implications of that. But because they're not sure what's on offer, they're not really clamouring for change in a way that some might have expected. And I think we have to learn lessons from the, the Brexit referendum. And we also have to learn lessons from the Scottish referendum. And where many people said, yes, in an ideal world, I would like us to be independent. But I also would really like some stability and I would just prefer the status quo. I leave that to someone else. It's so I think we have to you know, be aware of how people actually vote. It seems pretty obvious that if Mary Lou Macdonald gets to lead a government here in the Republic, that her priority will be to push towards a referendum for a united Ireland. Now, how persuasive a figure do you think might she be for those who are present in the North want to remain within the United Kingdom? It's very difficult to say. I mean, I don't really think that she's going to make a massive difference. I think the difference will be when people, rather than an individual or an individual leading a government, I think people will be looking for evidence and they'll be looking for hard facts and they they will want to understand what's on offer. And we don't have any answers to those questions. I mean, I my research has been on cross-border health. And it's extraordinary because in many ways, if you ask people, why why would you like to remain in the UK? Almost the top answer invariably is the healthcare system, being part of the National Health Service and the feeling that the health system in the North is superior to the one in the South. But when you ask them what evidence that's based on or do they take into account the fact that people here may be waiting seven and eight years um, for an operation, they also note that the health service in the South isn't exactly, you know, an exemplar of a healthcare system. And so people want to understand how it's going to affect them. So I don't actually think that Mary Lou Macdonald taking on a different role, a different leadership role, would actually see a groundswell of support for United Ireland. She herself has said that there is work to be done in terms of setting out what it is that's on offer. As it is, we're asking people to leap into the unknown. And why would we... we be surprised that they don't really want to do that. And Deirdre, Pat has already pointed out to us that one of the questions in the survey showed a reluctance amongst the respondents in the Republic to agree to a change of flag or anthem. Are there going to have to be perhaps unanticipated sacrifices made by people in the South as a gesture towards those who remain to be persuaded to join a United Ireland? Well, I think that's just going to be part of the conversation, isn't it? So it's one thing to ask someone a yes or no question to say, would you like a United Ireland? And someone might on an emotional level say, yes, I do. Then you you start saying, well, are you willing to pay for it? What are you willing to give up? What are you willing to change? How much uh, are you willing to accommodate? That becomes a whole different set of questions. And again, going back to Brexit, I suppose what we have learned from that is when you ask the yes, no question, you might get an answer that doesn't really reflect a lot of thinking about what's involved, what are the challenges. Um, and so I think it's really important that those conversations are had, that people understand the implications. And as you rightly said, it would be very difficult for some people to say no until they start understanding what the ramifications are and how far are they actually willing to move in terms of accommodation. It is worth saying that we've had a plethora 
of polls over the last two years looking at constitutional preferences. Since probably early 2021, we've had lucid talks, Sunday Times, University of Liverpool, Northern Ireland Life and Time Survey, um, and they come and they go, but none of them are showing startling change. And I suppose what people are really saying is it will be those people who are saying, I don't know. I remain to be convinced that uh, any sort of push towards either staying in the UK or a United Ireland should be targeting those people who are undecided and saying, well, what is it that you value? What is it that would make you vote to remain? What is it that would make you vote for constitutional change? And we still don't really know the answers to those questions. So I think there's an awful lot of research that could be done. There's evidence that needs to be set out in a way that's clear and clearly understood. And in terms of comparative data around our key social policy issues in terms of education, health outcomes, health inequalities, that data simply isn't available. And just to finish with you, Pat Lee, political editor of the Irish Times, a little bit maybe of an assessment and prediction from you. If Mary Lou Macdonald and Sinn Féin were to be the leaders of the next government, do you think would they be voted in on the basis of their aspirations for a united Ireland? Or would the pressure be put on them to deal with issues in relation to housing and health by the electorate and the Republic first? Uh, I think there's no doubt that that you know, there is a group of people who might be termed traditional Sinn Féin supporters for whom a united Ireland is very high on the agenda. But that's not something that is shared, n- not, not alone by the population at large, surveys tell us, but actually even by, uh, by Sinn Féin voters. And another way of saying that, I suppose, is that an awful lot of the new supporters that Sinn Féin has garnered in the last three to four years The motivation for their support is driven by things like housing, public services, economic inequality and so forth, rather uh, than the push for United Ireland. Now, I do think not least because... Mary Lou Macdonald, if she becomes Taoiseach, will be will also have the the northern constituency or the northern wing of Sinn Féin uh, to answer to. That if she is Taoiseach, she will make it a very high priority to talk a lot about a north uh, about about Irish unity and I think you would see things like a white paper, a citizens assembly, you would see nor you know you would see her talking about it at the European Council whenever she meets the British Prime Minister when she's in the White House for St Patrick's Day she'd be giving a very high at least rhetorical importance to a united Ireland but Mary Lou Macdonald knows the Good Friday Agreement uh, as well as anybody else and she will know that no matter what the Irish Taoiseach says the decision on calling a poll, a border poll in the north is one for the British government and the British, the, 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 the agreement says the Secretary of State uh, should call one when it appears to him or her that, uh, that a poll would succeed but there is no sign of that and it's hard to see how a British Secretary of State could come to that conclusion on the basis of not just this data but the other data that Deirdre referenced there. So I think Mary Lou Macdonald just to conclude to that, I think that Mary Lou Macdonald would talk about a united Ireland a lot and do whatever she could in Dublin but that's not going to deliver a referendum anytime soon. Pat Leahy, political editor of the Irish Times, Deirdre Heenan, professor of social policy at the University of Ulster and a former member of the Council of State here in the Republic. Thank you both very much for joining us. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today, F-